Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Today we're starting our new series called Demon Hunter. Look at your neighbor and say, Demon Hunter. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a... Uh, Kind of an intense story, uh, stories that we're going to be going over in this series. And the reason that we wanted to call it Demon Hunter is um, not because we're going to give a Van Helsing vibe throughout all this. Uh, those of y'all who know what that is. Um, but because we want to really personify the power and authority in Jesus' name. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And... Today, we're doing part one of Demon Hunter, and our subtitle is Why Me? Look at your neighbor and say, why me? Why me? Why Why should I care about these demonic activity? Why should I care about any of this ooga-booga stuff? And what would a demon ever want to have to do with me? Right? Anyone ever thought that? I want to ask you guys this question. It's... What motivates an evil spirit to mess with us? You ever thought about that late at night when you're getting all scared and spooked and you tell yourself, well, what would they want to have to do with me anyway? Anyone ever think that? Okay, all of us here. (laughs) Oh, kind of, yeah. And I I saw this really funny meme the other day. And uh, it was this little, like, cartoon figure. And he was praying to Satan saying, uh, evil, evil father, give me all of the the power of the underworld. And then it shows the little cartoon devil saying, you will have it, my child. Go and wreak havoc over the earth. And then uh, it shows him in the next little cartoon, pulling out a card and showing it to someone saying, is this your card? Because, you know, like little street magicians, like, I mean, like, oh, that's demonic. You guys are obviously very serious mood right now. I don't want to make Demon Hunter uh, series very serious, but I guess it is pretty serious. I wanted to start with one of my favorite stories of the Bible. Y'all read the Bible? Good. This is one of my favorite stories, and I think the reason it's one of my favorite is because when the first time I read it in my little uh, New Testament Bible that I got when I was a baby that I first read when I was 17 years old. I read this story while driving in a truck on my way to Eagle Pass, Texas. And when I read about this story, I would have to periodically as I was reading it, I kept having to put it down because I was so moved by what was happening in the events of this story. And I, I surprisingly identified with the character of this story. And so we're going to start off in Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 13. It says, So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. This man lived in in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, He snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, 
ran to meet him and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of that man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, oh, this is obviously a mess up in my typo. Let's look at the screen. (laughs) My name is Legion, the evil spirit begged him again not to send him to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirit begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission, and the evil spirit came out of the man, entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged into, down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. And so this whole story is showing this, this imagery of a man possessed by an evil spirit, and he lived in the tombs, he lived in the, among the graveyards, and he has some crazy ooga-booga stuff going on, Right? He's obviously creating a lot of attention from the nearby towns because it says that they would bind him by chains, lock him up, and that the spirit would give this man, that possessed this man, these supernatural strengths where he'd rip the shackles and break the chains and all that stuff. And we see just like this straight out of exorcism movie kind of scenario going on with this man. Y'all see what I'm saying? Y'all see the same story that I'm seeing, right? This is... Even though we're just reading about this, this is like a a ghost story that you tell around the campfire. And in this this story, I want us to look at what are these demons' motives? What are the motives of these evil spirits and entities? And there's three main things that we're going to look at when it comes to a demon's motives. And that's fear, attention, and deception. Fear attention and deception the inspiration of fear from the enemy is always wanting to instill fear instead of faith do you all know that fear and faith are the exact same thing it's the expectation of what is hoped for is what is believed the only difference is faith is a lot more positive while fear is a lot more negative but both are the expectation of something to happen. The expectation is something there. And the enemy is a a very good craftsman of copycatting everything that God does. From the garden all the way to when Jesus comes back, we see imagery of the devil always trying to do the opposite of a copycat, makeshift representation of what God has done. God created uh, all of existence. God created the angels, the, the devil. It manipulated a third of those angels, and now they're demons. De- demons are just fallen angels. We get forgiveness, but angels do not. When, it, when we go into the garden, when, uh, when God created man in his own image, the devil promised for, to Eve to give them the knowledge of God so that they would be like God. It's a copycat version of what God already did. When we go all the way to Revelation, 
It says that the Antichrist in the final times would be wounded severely but miraculously recover. It's a, it's a, a fake copy, it's a bad copycat of what Jesus did, resurrected from the dead. Y'all, y'all feel what I'm saying? This copycat makeshift devil we see? And so he always wants to inspire fear. When, even in just natural world, do you notice that when you believe in faith, fear is right behind you? When you believe in faith for something, fear is always trying to go, go at your mind. No matter what good thing it is, fear always tries to doubt and destroy the faith that you have. Faith and fear cannot mix together whatsoever. Y'all feel me? Y'all believe that? Y'all respect that? And so that's why the enemy, even though it seems like just ooga booga moments, it only takes a little bit of fear to spread throughout our whole being. Y'all feel me? And now let's look at attention. Attention. How many of y'all like attention? We like attention a little bit, right? I mean, that's why we do our hair. That's why we get dressed. We try to look presentable because we like positive attention. Maybe you like negative attention. You, you like being angry out loud because it gives you this attention that you're in control. Right? Isn't that what being angry around everybody else? It's that inner desire to appear that you have control. And attention is what the devil wants so bad. Lucifer originally it mean, meant the angel of light. And through the, through the stories, through the prophecies, what we see is this illustration of the devil before he was cast down to earth for the punishment of his rebellion in heaven, is it alludes that he was the worship leader in heaven. So that means if you fall in love with a drummer, he has a spirit of the devil. No, it's a joke. It, he was leading worship in heaven. And it says that there was a, a moment where he desired the worship of others for himself. And he was so manipulative that he convinced a third of the angels to truly follow him instead of God. The God that they would see right there in front. I mean, it's hard for us to believe, but we believe even though we do not see God. They were right in front of God and he was able to manipulate them out of it. And it's that, that desire of attention, that pride that he has that all demons expel. And that's why it seems like, well, why would they, why scare me in the middle of the night? Not saying that every crack you hear at the middle of the night is a demon. It's like, oh my gosh, I thought it was just a win. Now, now Homer's telling me it is a demon. No, but there are instances where some real stuff happens. Have any of you guys had, had seen like a bona fide demon activity before? Demonic activity? Well, I got in a fight with my girlfriend the other day, and, <laughs> and I, I know that that was a demon. <laughs> See, I, I, I've, uh, I've had some, some encounters with the supernatural, and every time, there's one, there's one moment, can I share a personal story? For me, I gave my life to Christ originally because I became so afraid of the ooga booga stuff that was going on in my life. I would close my eyes at night and I started hearing screaming in my ear. I thought I was just developing schizophrenia. But then when it, I started seeing and hearing and feeling these things outside of myself, I was like, dude, this is freaking messed up. 
And that's how I got on the path of finding Jesus in my life. Because I, I needed some help. I needed some protection. And about a year and a half later, it was, it was this, probably around the summer of 2012. I remember I had started dating my wife. We were a couple months away from getting married. And I had this horrible supernatural encounter in the middle of the night. To where I, things that literally felt like it was attacking my body. It felt like something hit me in the face. Started holding me down. It was this horrible experience. And in the moment that I was able to talk and say the name of Jesus, everything went back to normal. And the reason I'm sharing this story is because after that, I had for months a very similar experience almost every night to where every night I was, it was like this instilling of fear grabbing my attention. I would wake up and pray for an, over an hour to pray against this demonic activity going on. I was freaking out. And then one day I woke up and I was exceptionally tired. And I realized what had happened. And I had this crazy stuff going on and I got out of bed I said, oh, it's just the devil. And I went back to sleep. And that was the last time I had an experience like that. And now look, I'm not trying to say every bad thing that happens tonight is demonic. But I'm trying to show some imagery. The moment that I start, stopped giving this attention to whatever was happening, I stopped having problems. It's not always that simple. But the, the point I'm drawing at is that the devil always wants attention. Demons always want attention. When we look at this story, I mean, think about how dramatic this is. What, why? This, this devil, it, this demonic possessed man, it doesn't say that he was killing anybody. It doesn't say that he was doing anything exceptionally evil that, you know, it's like he's just going, being wild. And you're like, man, we need to do something with this guy. He's going crazy. And it, when he would just go, the fact of why would a demon want to go howling throughout the night? It's to giving this, this imagery of a demon just howling throughout the night, going among graveyards and, and shrieking and just causing everyone to be freaked out. The kukui started here. And why? Because not only was he instilling fear in all of the village, he was making, that fear made them think that he was in control, that these de demonic uh, entity was in control and that he could attack them, and that's why they were all afraid. And he did it for the attention all the town would give him. All this attention. All this attention. When he broke the shackles, when he, when he got free, he was just cutting himself in front of him. It was all for attention. And when you think about what is worship, what is worship? It's devoted attention. It's devoted attention. And see, even this, this attention that the devil wants is just a copycat of the worship he desires. Y'all feel what I'm saying? Just wants all of our attention, all of our thoughts, keeping us up at night thinking about him. It's like a bad relationship. I want you to think about me at night. I want to be the last thing you see when you go to bed. See, that, that any little bit we give him gives, just feeds the false glory he desires. Y'all feel me on that? And 
Another thing about the devil is deception. Deception. Jesus described the devil as the father of lies. Anyone that's been at church long enough, maybe you had a, a little youth group or whatever, and if you tell a little white line, there's some brat kid there that's like, oh, don't you know the devil's the father of lies? So what does that make you? Anyone ever experienced that? I experienced that as soon as I went to church. I was like, you need to chill out. I was telling a JK, just kidding joke. The devil is, a, is the father of lies, and he wants to always lead us off the trail of truth. Every time. Wants to lead us off the trail of truth. Whether it's about God, about ourselves, or those around us, the enemy is constantly whispering to deceive and divide. To deceive and divide. Fear naturally separates people. Y'all notice that? Think of it as a simple relationship. The fear of somebody else cheating can divide a whole relationship. Isn't that what uh, jealousy is? The fear of that person not really being there with you? From a relationship to even the Avengers. Fear inspires division. <laughs> fear of the future. Some of y'all are laughing. <laughs> If they would have all just stick together, Thanos would have been no problem from the beginning. <laughs> but see, that little bit of fear causes so much division and it deceives us of what is true. And I want to let y'all know that the, the devil whispers in our ears. The devil whispers in our ears. And and there, there's times where it might even just be something that happens all of a sudden you feel like a whisper. It's like, it's because they don't really care about you. Y'all notice that? Anyone ever get little thoughts like that? But isn't it weird that those thoughts are never first person? You notice that? You don't think it's because they don't really care about me. It's because it's they don't care about you. Or am I the only one that's a psychopath here? Some of you are like, half and a half. <laughs> it, we constantly get these whispers and the intent is to deceive us from truth and to divide us. And if we were to look at these as being really what they are, lies, attention-grabbing, deceitful lies to inspire fear. That's the sentence of the day. That's all the devil wants. Why does he want to damage relationships? Because it instills bitterness. It instills unforgiveness. The Bible says that when we choose not to forgive, that God himself can't forgive us. There's a book by John Bevere called The Bait of Satan. And it talks about how bitterness and unforgiveness is the bait that the devil uses to, to bring people to hell with him. Demon motives. Y'all feel like these motives feel spot on, especially from this story? Yeah? Talk to me, guys. Come on. Give me a nod. Give me a wink. I need to be affirmed in giving this. I'm having all these whispers in my ear saying, they don't care what you're saying. They're not really paying attention. Some of you are like, no, that's just insecurity. Let's talk about your motives. Why me? We know why the devil wants to attack us to a point now. Why, why me? Why you? Are you really that important? 
See, the first thing you got to realize is that you're a target to the enemy. All humanity is a target because of what happened in the garden when the devil deceived Adam and Eve. When, when the devil and all those other angels sinned against God, they, they, they instilled judgment on themselves that they're going to go to the place H-E double hockey stick. See, I stuttered it so bad because it's a scary place. But his idea in causing humanity to sin is to bring God's most cherished creation down to hell with him. But then God created something so glorious and amazing. He created forgiveness. And it was the, the one up on the devil that he didn't even know God could create that. And so now all of creation he's wanting to bring with him. But especially those who have found themselves in Christ because he wants so badly to hurt God and he knows from experience that he can't so he attacks what God loves most y'all feel what I'm saying and the worst battle to be in is the one that you don't realize you're in y'all dig what I'm saying the worst battle to be in is the one that you don't realize you're in you are a child of God, and the, the, the Bible says, Jesus says that his mission is to kill, steal, and destroy. And it's all pointed to you. It's all directed to you. And I'll be honest, I think that we give the devil way more credit nowadays than he deserves in the church. I could get a bad haircut and be like, the devil! It was the, the spirit of bad haircuts that did this to me. You could have a flat tire. I'm like, man, the devil's attacking today. It's like, but I probably should have changed my tires three months ago. Sometimes we just are negligent or make our own mistakes. And we blame the devil for it. But the truth is that there, he does have a mission to steal, kill, and destroy. And that there's not one part of the devil that wants to, to go light on us. Have you ever hated somebody so bad, I mean really bad, that you fantasize about beating them up? Some of y'all, okay, I like the, the very hesitant nods, like, you, they come to your mind right now, all bloody and messed up, like, yeah, it was after I got to them. And see, that hatred is times a hundred when it comes to the devil and you. He has no desire to go easy on you. And on top of that, you're a potential threat. You are a potential threat. And he knows that the power of Christ in us can stop his evil plans for our families, can stop his evil plans for our communities, can stop his evil plans for our world. And in, in the spiritual war that's described in the, battle, in, the, in the Bible, there are no non-combatants. That this is a brutal world, war that we're in and that the devil doesn't care whether you're a non-combatant or not. He has a mark on you. The minute he sees you, he wants to destroy you. Y'all dig what I'm saying? 
Because he knows at any moment we could pick up our, our sword and fight. And so he would rather just destroy us before we get the chance. Y'all feel me? And understanding that the enemy hates you and won't stop, even if you're passive. Even if you're not a hardcore Christian, you're just trying to make it out here on these streets. He doesn't care. He doesn't care whether you're a passive Christian or not. He wants to destroy you. That's it, period. The Bible doesn't say that he wants to kill, steal, and destroy those who are really, really good Christians. No. Just period. And so, understanding that we're a target, you also have to understand that you have the power to make a difference. That even though the devil only wants to inspire fear, it's because he is afraid of the power of Christ within us. Even though you may think little of yourself, the enemy does not. You are full of potential to stop evil dead in its tracks. Have you ever prayed over somebody's house or your own house before? You have that one room that no one likes to go into? You know what I'm talking about? There's a, there's a funny story that, uh, of a family relative of mine that was having some freaky stuff going on in their house and it was scaring the lights out of them. And so they had a Buddhist friend of theirs come and do sage and stuff and they had another like us, you know, seemingly spiritual person to come and do chants and, and do X, Y, Z, all these little things. But the problem wouldn't stop. And then they finally got a co-worker of theirs who is a Baptist, said, can you just come pray over my house? And they just came and prayed over the house, prayed over the room that they were having these ooga-booga things happening. And they didn't have problems anymore. It's just a simple prayer that they made. See, we, we think that we have to do all of this stuff for God to listen to us, for, for these, these entities to, to not pass these borders if we put sage right here. But the truth is that the only authority and power is not in... Uh, it watered down witchcraft because that's really what those things are but in in the simplicity of Christ y'all dig what I'm saying I like what I said right there watered down witchcraft that sounded good right we always say like watered down bible well you know what these practices really it's watered down witchcraft and and next in in the following uh, weeks. We're going to talk a lot more about that specifically, so I won't go into it today. But you have the power of, to make a difference full of potential, and there are so many people that are in bondage. There are so many people that are suffering and oppressed and even possessed by these spirits. And if the church would take themselves seriously, who's the church? All of us. Did you notice that the Bible doesn't distinct between weak church and stronger church, unholy church and holy people church? There's no distinction that we're all the church. And so if you bear the name of Christ, then that means you have the authority of Christ. But because we are so insecure in our spirits and in ourselves, we don't ever take up authority because we feel like God wouldn't listen to our prayers. These, this wouldn't really happen because my prayers don't work because I'm not that good of a Christian. 
Have you ever been surprised by your prayers before? When it actually happens, you're like, oh, shoot. Oh, well, well, well. I didn't even realize. Good, good for them. I'm glad that turned around. And then you immediately, that was just coincidence. It wasn't really you praying. It was just, it was going to happen anyway. Devil whispering and deceiving you. See, the authority of Christ is so simple. Can I tell you all the very first time that I cast out a demon? You're like, cast out a demon? I'm, a, I'm an exorcist, guys. <laughs> I can exercise people. Go to the gym. <laughs> it was at this, it was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And they, we had a, a youth retreat. Youth retreats in the church are promoted as being the funnest time of your lives, and which they usually are. But it's usually the second day, second night, it was like, all right, let's get these demons out of these kids. <laughs> they're obviously possessed by all kinds of demons. That's why they're acting so rebellious and crazy. And at the time, I was like, yeah, <laughs> let's get them. And we, call, we had what was called a deliverance session where they put all these things on the screen and say, if you're struggling with any of these, come up for prayer and we're going to pray the hell out of you. <laughs> and there's this one part where I was up at the front. I was like, man, I, I've, been, I've had all these demons attack me all my life and I'm, I'm ready to just beat up a demon to death. And I was ready to go. And this kid came up and it was for the spirit of addiction. I was like, man, this kid's probably done all kinds of stuff. He's probably the most messed up kid here. He's just crying there as he comes up to the altar. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> He's obviously covered with demons. He's crying. I was like, I was like 18. It's like, what is it, son? <laughs> what can I pray for? <laughs> I was like, out with it. What are you addicted to, boy? <laughs> Video games. Oh, my God. In my head, I was so... I was so undone. I was like, that's not an addiction. I got that. <laughs> you know, that's not a demon, boy. That's nothing. I was like, all right. And so I wasn't even taking it seriously at that point. I was like, this kid, is, he just probably feels guilty from the message. That's all it is. And I was like, all right. And I just started praying for him. I didn't pray anything special. I didn't even take it seriously in my mind. All of a sudden... This boy starts shaking like crazy. It's like, what the? What are you doing? Stop that. Starts shaking. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, whoa. Falls down on the floor. I was like, someone help. I don't know what to do. And I just prayed over it for that demon to come out of him. And it did. And see, the, the point I'm, I'm sharing this story is, is that it doesn't really take much for a demon to listen to the authority of Christ. And what's another scary part about this is not every demon is out like this guy shrieking in the graveyards, howling and going crazy. Sometimes de demons can be little ninjas where you don't even realize how powerful of a hold it has on you. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And if the church would just take itself seriously, if we would take ourselves seriously Think of the difference that could happen. Think of how, how, how many people would have a, be able to live healthy, spiritual, life-filled lives and not be so in bondage 
wanting to die all the time. How much different would it, would it be? And now this, this final part. We know the demon's motives. I hope that you know your motive now. In this whole, starting this series, one thing that we got to understand is that there's a weaponization of people in the spirit world. Weaponized. And I want to I finish reading this story. Starting, uh, finishing in Mark 5, 14. So we're just picking up where we left off. We just saw all those pigs go off the, the side of the hill, right? The side of the cliff. The demons asked Jesus, let us into those pigs over there. Some of us are like, that's why you don't eat pork. That's why they don't. No, that's in Deuteronomy. This is just a coincidence, that swine. Right here, they all just went down the hillside. And then we pick up, the herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened, and a crowd soon gathered around Jesus. And they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, and he was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. Notice that word there. Let's go on. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and to leave them. All alone, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the good news Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. What happens later is that Jesus comes back to this town and even though they pushed him away here, that man going through all those ten towns around prepared all the people to receive Jesus to where even though they were pushing away here, they were so receptive and ready to hear his message when he came back. And it would not have happened unless this man went around. And for the longest time, there's so many parts of the story that I didn't understand. A lot of the parts of the story that I didn't understand. For example, why did the demons want to go into those pigs just to plunge down the hillside? Because they entered the pigs only to kill all the pigs, and now they don't have anywhere that they're possessed anymore. Y'all dig what I'm saying? So why, why would they do that? And then the other thing I didn't understand is why did Jesus let them? Why didn't Jesus just lay down the hammer like, no, go, go to hell right now? Because <laughs> Jesus, when he's mad, he talks in a country accent. Why, why did Jesus allow them to go? And why did the pigs want to go? And when preparing for this, I am so glad because I feel like I got it finally. After 10 years, I finally understand this part of the story like I've never understood before. You guys want to hear it? Yeah. Yeah. Good. See, everything that happens in our lives, whether we are cognitive of it or not, we become weaponized. We don't realize how sometimes 
The devil is actually using us to invoke fear or harm onto somebody else. And Jesus is very straightforward about his desire to weaponize us against hell. But the devil doesn't want us to know that we're being weaponized for him. The reason I want y'all to understand that is because this man, before Jesus came along, was used to be a weapon for, the, for demons. Y'all see that? He was weaponized for demonic activity. And at the end, he was weaponized for Jesus to come against all demonic activity. And the reason that these demons wanted to enter in the pigs is because they already premeditated to instill fear in all of the town when they would run all the pigs off the hillside. They knew that that fear would be enough to, to push away all faith in Jesus. That the fear would be too much and that the people would reject Jesus because of what they saw. Y'all follow me? And so if the demons knew that this was their plan to throw all the pigs off the hillside so that the town would want to make Jesus leave, why did Jesus let them? Because even though Jesus could do everything on his own, he consistently gives us the opportunity to make a difference instead of it always being him. And he allowed the opportunity for this demon-possessed man to stay there and go redeem everything that was broken by him before. Isn't it a powerful story that this man that terrorized those 10 towns before is now the very man that's bringing hope to those 10 towns later? And it could not have happened if Jesus didn't allow himself to be redeemed and weaponized. Y'all feel what I'm saying? And we, we really, just like I said, we're in a fight, whether we acknowledge it or not. And Jesus, I love Jesus because he is so straightforward in his message to us. But there's scripture where he says, what light, what, what light hangs out with darkness? What fellowship is there light with darkness? And he goes as far to say, anyone that not, is not for me is against me. Anyone that does not want Jesus is against Jesus because of the message that he portrays. And he, he gives such a clear image of this fight, of this battle between light and darkness, between good and evil. And yet we consistently turn that message into a self-help book for us. To where we don't, we don't ever want to talk about spiritual stuff. We don't want to talk about demonic activity, demon hunter. What kind of cult church is this? It, we would much rather just learn about how to become a better person in the world, right? Why would we ever want to go into a fight against demonic activity? Against people who are oppressed by evil? See, it's like I said, to realize that you're in, you're in a fight. It starts making you to stop, one, defend yourself, but two, to start fighting back. 
Because there's some fights where the person won't stop. That even if you go down, they're going to keep kicking you. And that's the kind of fight that we're in. And it's not enough just to defend yourself, but you're going to have to fight back and fight for others. And the minute that you are willing to accept this message that I know for a fact that before I gave my life to Christ, I was used and weaponized for darkness. That the way I treated people, the things I did, yeah, of course it was a mixture of my own evil desires within my own heart. But there is definitely a lot of inspiration that came from demons. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And I, I bet you that you can look back at your life in moments where you did something, and even afterwards, you're like, why did I do that? Why did I do that? And you don't even understand why you did what you did. And it caused so much pain, not only in your life, but in the life of, lives of others. We don't realize that we're weaponized. And so right now, I want us all to, to enter this month, this series, knowing that the power of Christ is within us. And that we, we are saved by Christ. We're children of God. And we're also weapons of God. Not to hurt people like the church has done in the past, but, but to help people find the freedom that they truly need. To find the love that they truly need. Do y'all get what I'm saying today? And so with all this being said, the question we started off with is why me? Why me? And the answers are so simple. Because of the devil's mission to kill, steal, and destroy. His mission to cause fear instead of faith. To grab attention, to deceive and to divide. And why us? Because we are called by God. Because we're, we are more important and useful than we realize. Now, even though you may think little of yourself, God doesn't, and neither does the devil. And we need to understand and accept the fact that we are weaponized whether we like it or not. Now, whatever we're fighting against, when you know that you're fighting against something, you're able to last and make it in that battle a lot more than if you don't realize you're in a fight at all. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. And if you're here today, and maybe the first thing that you need to come to terms with is the terms of your faith. Maybe there's been some type of fear deep in your heart that has made it so hard for you to accept this faith in Christ. And whether it's that or whether it's something completely different, there's just something within your heart that says, man, I, I want to take a step towards this relationship with God today. If that's you here and you haven't done that before, I want you to just raise your hand. Amen. So what I want us to all do is I want us to pray together. And maybe you're here and you need to reaffirm that faith. Now, even as we're talking, you're having all these fearful thoughts within you. 
all these doubts and you just need to pray to to reaffirm what's deep in your heart. Maybe it's deep so down you don't see it anymore, but it's there. So pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I take you seriously today. Be the Lord of my life, the Savior to my soul. You died on the cross and you set me free. You rose from the dead. You made a way for me. So I trust you. And I want to walk this journey with you. Show me what a relationship looks like. In Jesus' name. Now, before we get into worship, I just want to pray over all of you. God, right now, I ask that you would solidify faith in us today. I cancel any deception. I cancel any plans of the enemy. And I speak your truth. I speak your unity. And I speak your power to rise up in all the people here today. And that you'd give them courage and boldness to stand up in this fight. To fight for you. To see people set free. And to bring your truth, your message, your love, your healing to the people of this world. Empower your church today. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.